This episode of Tales from the Backlog, like every episode, is brought to you by the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Some personal heroes of mine like Chris Nelson, the top three podcast crew, Zolgeek, Chris Copleen, Eric Guess, Rick Firestone, Nick Ficori, Jill, Jeff, formerly Jerf, Kieran, Soccer, ZNA, Cupcake, Kyle, Christian S., Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, JD, Doug Leaf, Jason Emery, Brian Skersha, Randall, Jake Martin, Jenny E., and many more have all chosen to show their support for the show once again by going to patreon.com slash realdavejackson. Your support is much appreciated. And with that being said, we're going on down to South Park. Hello, everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and you're listening to Tales from the Backlog. This is a video games review podcast where each week I'm joined by a guest to bring a game out of the backlog, play it, and discuss. My guest today is a friend of the show, returning a many-time guest on the show, humble folk without temptation, Adam Rivera. Adam, welcome back. Hello. Glad to be back. Finally released from Podcast Purgatory where I was expelled <laughs> for having terrible audio on the Dark Souls episode. <laughs> uh, it, it was fine. We cleaned it up. It was okay. Uh, yeah, Adam was a guest for a long-time listeners, or maybe first-time listeners. Adam was a guest on the Dark Souls 3 episode, and then also a guest on a very early episode of the show, but a very popular one about Dragon's Dogma. So third time on the show by my count. Yeah, yeah. good to have you back. My niche is like weird RPGs, I guess that come with huge (laughs) caveats. Yeah. Uh, This is another niche RPG with a huge caveat we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. We're talking about South Park, The Stick of Truth, which is an RPG developed by Obsidian Entertainment and South Park Studios and published by Ubisoft for Contemporary Systems in 2013. Now, if you're playing it in modern times, uh, you can probably play it on whatever console or you know, gaming system that you have. It's just about everywhere now. Mm -hmm. If you haven't played South Park, The Stick of Truth, we are going to have the normal breakdown of the show, a non-spoiler section, and then a clearly marked and shouted out spoiler wall. And then after that, we'll stick to the story spoilers. But like, this is an episode of South Park. This is not a story that's going to change your life or anything like that. We are going to keep specifics and specifically like some of the the shocking stuff i suppose the memorable stuff into that spoiler section so you can jump out if you don't want to be spoiled if you think you want to play this game for yourself so elevator pitches for south park the stick of truth for people who don't know i say again i go first i'm the host i take the (laughs) easy one play through an episode of south park for real this time compared to the old games uh yeah exactly uh I remember my first initial thought when I weighed, when I booted up the game way back when was this looks exactly like the show. Like yep. you could play a contemporary episode right next to it. They would look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Also, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if this is just worth saying up top. It is an episode of South Park. It's a very funny, but crude kind of game. Oh yeah. So subject matter wise, if there's some stuff <laughs> here that people may be uncomfortable with. Absolutely. So just up the top, no, that's coming. Yeah, um, I think it's a fairly standard, 
you know, content warning as far as anything South Park does. You know, there are jokes about abortion. There's a lot of casual racism, you know, the the hallmark standards, yeah. basically. Uh, going on here. Sex stuff in general. Yeah. Yes. Uh, nudity. Yeah. South Park nudity, which is a very special brand of nudity. Yeah. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> I played this on my PS5 uh, when I replayed the game just now. It took me nine hours to beat. I did a good number of side quests, um, not a very long game. This is my second time playing it, but uh, I had played it a long time ago. So it's not like I was super familiar with how everything, uh, where everything was this time mm-hmm. around. Nine hours, not a long game. Is that about how it went for you, Adam? Uh, I pretty much followed the same kind of trajectory. Uh, I bought it on 360, uh, not at launch, probably like a year or two after. Fell off it for whatever reason, like not that it wasn't doing anything for me. I don't know, just one of those things. Uh, Replayed it now also on PS5 through the PS Plus service. And Mm -hmm. I put in about 11 hours and did most of the side quests as well. Uh, Damn if I'm going to hunt down all the Chimpokomon, but... Right. Yep. Uh, most of the other actual <laughs> content I did see. Yep. Yep. Same. I feel like I was uh, pretty completionist other than the Chin Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, same here. So back when you first played it on the 360, because that's where I first played it too. Um, what made you want to play this? Are you a fan of South Park? I know you're a fan of RPGs. Mm-hmm. So was it more the RPG or was it more the South Park? Uh it was definitely more the RPG. This kind of South Park in general had like a weird reputation at the time of like any game about it is trash. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the same thing like the Batman games had going for a long time prior to Arkham. Mm-hmm. So I forget where it was, but I did read like a making of kind of interview about the game pre-release. Mm-hmm. And it just sounded like something that might be cool and fun. And it looks like I, like we've said, like, like the show. So there's a definitely a hook there of here's something unique and interesting. Absolutely. Like, so for me, the draw was South Park. And it was like when you first saw the trailers back when it was being promoted, like as soon as they showed the gameplay, you're like, oh, that's exactly like the show, mm-hmm. which is not the case with the old South Park games before this. Um, I had the one on the N64, the the, the one that's just called South Park. I never played South Park Rally. That game looks like trash. Yeah. But uh, the one on the N64 is also trash. A terrible, terrible game. And I actually replayed it last year uh, because I went on the Remember 64 podcast to do an episode about it. So that was one of those games where like, even when I was 11, I played it and I was like, this sucks. Like, yeah. this is bad. I played that way back when. I don't remember... The quality of it, I do remember just being really enamored by the weapons that it was using, like creative weapons yeah. for sure. Yeah, like, like the using cow a, launcher and yeah, the cow launcher, using a chicken to shoot eggs and stuff yeah. like that. Peeing on a snowball. Yeah, yeah, everything I wanted when I was eleven. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so I'm a longtime fan of the show. Uh, I would say long time, but like I stopped watching the show at least 10 years ago, Mm -hmm. but for the 10 years and, or like 15 years prior to that, I was a big fan of the show. And one of the things that like, I I guess it would maybe a a leap of faith, but I thought that this game would be like the old style of the show. So that's why I was as excited as I was. 
Uh, plus, I also love RPGs. So when it came out that they announced it was a turn-based RPG, I didn't know anything about Obsidian at the time. That that name meant nothing to me. But the fact that it was a turn-based RPG that looked like the show made me want to replay it, or, or made me want to play for the first time, rather. Yeah, I kind of did the same thing. I watched the show off and on for like the first 10 seasons or so. Um, mm-hmm. I caught most of the major like landmark episodes, like The Lord of the Rings, Stan becoming a goth, you know, yeah. chimp Pokemon, all the all the <laughs> all the classics. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then in terms of the game, like that same article I mentioned of like the making of it, they had mentioned that they weren't doing so much topical humor as they were doing kind of evergreen humor about video games in general. Mm-hmm. And that kind of angle, like, yeah, South Park, the writers have like really good points to make sometimes, not lately, yeah. but. You know, like those, <laughs> like those same early episodes, like they're great examinations of random things. So like mm-hmm. I figured through that lens, there could be some good stuff here about like, you know, the video game industry yeah. trends and whatnot. Yeah, exactly. And this game does have a bunch of like meta video game humor in it, uh, which is part mm-hmm. of its lasting appeal. I think that that's one of the things about this game that's going to work for most people who play it. And then like the the South Park humor, like that crude stuff, that's going to be very up to the individual person, how funny they still find that. Um, This was in 2013. uh, So we have like a combination of just society being, or like at least society, at least in the groups that like we hang out in, you know, being Mm -hmm. less tolerant of this. And also I am 10 years older than I was the first time I played it. I was, you know, Mm -hmm. 25 rather than being 35 now. And it's a big, and I've seen and experienced a lot and it's a, we just have a different outlook on South Park humor at this point. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I want to uh, make a note at the top. If anyone is interested in playing this on PlayStation, if you have PS plus, like the one with the catalog, uh, the extra tier, you can play this on there because it ha- they have an agreement with Ubisoft where you can play all the Ubisoft plus games on there. So that was nice. I did not have to uh, rebuy this on PlayStation. And I also want to shout out our friends over at the Retro Hangover podcast. In their Discord server, they do a monthly book club, game club thing called the Retro Hangover Review Crew. And this was the game of the month in November. So that kind of gave me the push to play it, the fact that it's not a very long game. Um, So playing along with them, and then I started playing it, and then you started playing it. I was like, hey, Mm -hmm. let's let's just do an episode. This is fun. Yeah, I, I've been meaning to come back to it like since I fell off it however many years ago just to finish it. Yeah. So it, it was a good little kick in the pants to get going. Yeah, and you went on to play the sequel, The Fractured But Whole, right? Yeah, uh, they're both on PS Plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed both of them deeply. Uh, amazingly, this is not a derision of either one, but like they're about the same in terms of quality, like mm-hmm. jokes, gameplay, everything. One does some things better than the other. The other one does other things better than the other. But they're both equally worth your time. Yeah. I will probably drop some changes and things that worked for me better in the sequel throughout our conversation here. Just sure. To, if anyone was looking for opening thoughts on that. But yes, they are both worth your time. Uh, yeah. So much so that come this recent Black Friday sale, I already played both of them. I rebought them again. Both games, they were $20 for a bundle of both games with the DLC. So nice. I, I enjoyed them enough and hadn't played the DLC yet that I figured it was worth the money. Nice. Yeah. I, I also played the sequel a couple years ago. Um, I also thought it was good. 
like the kind of like what you said, they're they're very similar. It's just I think what it really comes down to is if you like fantasy role-playing theme, then play Stick mm-hmm. of Truth. And if you like superheroes, then play Fractured But Whole. Um, yeah. they're otherwise they're very similar. Uh, I wasn't able to finish the fractured butthole cause the switch version kept crashing after a story cutscene. no matter what I did uninstalled, reinstalled, whatever didn't work. So I never finished it, but I did, I did like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's an issue on the Xbox, but PS five does have an issue of like randomly it'll pop up that it can't connect to the server. Uh, I don't know why it's trying to connect to a server, but you'll just get a random pop-up every couple minutes that yeah. you just have to press a button to get through. It's annoying, but, you know, didn't obviously break the game for me. It's probably Ubisoft, Ubisoft nonsense uh, with their, you know, online stuff. I mean, it's going to go likely. ahead and blame them. <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. Yeah. Um, so this game, The Stick of Truth, before we really dive into it, just some uh, quick, you know, opening thoughts. I think we've already said we both think this game is good. I think that as far as video game adaptations go, this is probably, you know, top tier as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. One of the best. Yeah. For fans of South Park. Like, I guess if you want to study this scientifically as an adaptation of uh, a different medium into video games, this is really good. For South Park fans, this is excellent. Like, this is everything you could possibly want from a South Park video game. It really plays out like a nine or 10 episode special or special series or something like that, or just like a really long episode of the show. It's like they took that Lord of the Rings episode and blew it up into nine hours instead of uh, what was 30 minutes or however long it was. Yeah. I think the plot itself could probably fit into like a Netflix movie of South Park. Mm-hmm. A lot of the gameplay does come from like battles and exploration and everything, but the actual story yeah. content, like it could make a good movie. Yeah, for sure. And it did remind me a bit of the South Park movie, which I also really, really like as uh, South Park content. So as an adaptation, this is this is as good as it gets as far as I know. And as far as the South Park stuff goes, I still found a lot of it pretty funny. And the one thing that I really came away from this experience, like thinking was that everyone involved took pride in making the best South Park game that they could, uh, which again, if you came from the South Park N64 game, that was not really the case with that one. So really happy with this game, like as a South Park fan and as a fan of RPGs, like this is a, this is a fine RPG. It's not bad at all in the RPG department. Um, it's not going to like blow your pants off as like a great role-playing game but as a south park rpg really good stuff yeah this is hands down zero caveats my favorite game made by obsidian (laughs) which is a big statement considering they've made things like new vegas and outer worlds pentiment from last year yeah yeah pentiment uh i have a lot of issues with those games that i end up coming out on like they're okay to meh Uh for me uh, but this zero caveats, I would recommend this to someone to play as an RPG. I would recommend this to someone just to have like an entertaining few hours with it. It's a great piece of work. It's a great feather in the hat of art design over raw graphical power, as we mentioned, because it looks exactly like an episode. Mm-hmm. And in terms of looking good, like if you look exactly like a TV show, 
you don't need tons of power in your game graphically. Mm-hmm. Like you have an established look you're going for and they nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of like the the little stuff, like the fan fan service, you know, references to stuff in the past of the show, all of that is done really, really well. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I can't really ask for more as a fan of South Park that wants, you know, South Park video games. So we are going to listen to a little bit of music from the game. And when we come back, we're going to set up what this extended South Park episode is all about. In South Park, The Stick of Truth, you play as a new kid who moves to South Park to escape from a mysterious past that your character's forgotten. You uh, hear your parents talking about it and stuff like that. And you're like, well, do you you think he knows? And stuff like that. It's it's a really weird setup. Um, But it's it's funny because South Park pulls stuff like this off really Mm -hmm. well, I think. So you play as a new kid, you create a character, uh, you can like dress up your character, you can give them a name, and then you pick a starting class, uh, RPG classes, fighter, mage, thief, and because this is South Park, the fourth character class is Jew, which I picked. Uh, I I think I played as like a fighter or a mage my first time playing, I don't Mm. remember, it was 10 years ago, but uh, Jew this time around, which class did you pick? Uh, I first time around back on 360, I did go wizard as well, or mage. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time I went fighter. Nice for just character creation terms. It's pretty robust in terms of making a South Park character. Like there were simulations of this on the internet forever ago. Mm-hmm. I basically modeled mine after me in middle school. Yeah, <laughs> I uh, I made my character a little goth kid, uh, which was funny, um, but. Awesome. When you pick your character class, they replace your starting clothes with like special class specific clothes. So I mm-hmm. had like a, a little goth kid with, you know, the goth haircut and like black glasses, but then he was draped in all the, you know, the Jewish clothes right. and stuff like that. So it was pretty funny. Yeah. Aside from the outfit, uh, the only other thing classes seem to dictate is like what status effects you get to. Yeah. Uh, right away. But we'll get to it later when we talk about the combat, but like status effects are huge. So Mm -hmm. it actually is a meaningful choice. Yeah. I I don't remember this game being that hard. So it's not like you're going to screw yourself over by picking, you know, a thief and not knowing how to use it or something like that. Oh yeah. No, no, like everything's like equally as useful. It's actually really fun that way. Yeah, for sure. I thought, because I remembered uh, one of the South Park games had the difficulty selector based on what color your skin is, and that's not this game. It's the sequel that does that. (laughs) It's the sequel, but it's not actually game difficulty. It's just how difficult your life is. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. (laughs) And it plays out like the cops actually like talk shit to you if you're darker because I am darker (laughs) in real life. I pick like not the darkest, but next to darkest shade of skin. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, literally I got like barks from cops ever. Like they were suspicious of me. <laughs> uh, I think I picked a class that is similar to my own skin color, which is uh, just the most alabaster white that you could possibly imagine. Uh, and I don't remember that. So I think that, uh, that tracks nice, uh, nice observation there, South Park. <laughs> um, so in the stick of truth, uh, you arrive in South Park, your parents kick you out of the house. They tell you to go make friends. So you go outside and you see the local kids 
are all role-playing this giant war between humans and elves. So they're like LARPing outside, basically. If you've seen the uh, Lord of the Rings episode of South Park, it's basically the same thing. They're outside playing. They got, you know, wooden swords and stuff they're smacking each other with. Um, You quickly meet Butters and Cartman. Uh, Cartman dubs you douchebag. uh, So they get around the thing of like... um, you know, in a lot of RPGs, you create like Final Fantasy, you create a name for your character and then voice acted characters don't know what your name is. So they, they just avoid it in really awkward ways. This game yeah, doesn't do that. Game. What's up? They play the pronoun game. Like yeah. He, her, they. Right. Uh, this one doesn't. They just call you douchebag for the entire game. Uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> so you join the human side in this eternal struggle. Uh, the humans and the elves are locked in the struggle for this powerful relic known as the stick of truth. And it's a, a powerful weapon that can control the universe. Real quick about your character too. You are a silent protagonist. Yeah. And everyone treats it weird. It's amazing. The, yeah. the, like usually RPGs, they'll just like kind of, keep the conversation flowing around your character not talking mm-hmm. this one absolutely acknowledges that you're not talking like your people stare at you waiting for a response like are you going to say anything yeah are you gonna say anything well then fuck you yeah <laughs> it's very good um this uh this story setup with the kids role-playing is really really well realized and well thought out i feel like it's amazing yeah it's like Imagine what you and your friends would do if you were doing this when you were little kids, like you would use stuff around the house as weapons. So Mm -hmm. like the kids are fighting with Nerf guns, they have like wooden swords and because it's South Park, they they also have hammers and stuff they're hitting each other with. Yeah. Hammers, uh, brooms. I've seen like lacrosse uh, sticks. Yeah. All the stuff, armor too, is just stuff that they found around the house and like repurposed to be these fantasy weapons. It's awesome because, you know, if you're not super familiar with South Park, you're you're a group of fourth graders. That's the age group we're dealing with here. Yeah, uh, and it extends even to the combat. Like the attacks are all coded as fantasy things. Like Cartman's a wizard. He's wearing a bathrobe. That's yeah. his wizard robe. <laughs> uh, but he casts fireballs and his fireball magic is he pulls out a can of hairspray and a lighter and literally like blow torches somebody mm-hmm. and yeah. it's a fireball and like everything is committed to that kind of bit. And it's yeah. amazing and charming. Yeah, it's it's very good. And this is like this is so nostalgic for me as like someone who liked South Park a long time ago, because this is the kind of stuff they used to do like they used to write stories for their episodes that were like, we are going to write a story about some mischief that fourth graders would get into. That's like semi-realistic that kids might get into. And then there's going to be some weird stuff along the way. There's going to be like a celebrity cameo parody, but it's still very grounded in like little kids doing little kid stuff. And then eventually along the line, they made a change and it's like, I'm blaming the, their famous one week development cycle for an episode. They made a change where they were like, our episodes are about current events. And then there's going to be little kid stuff sprinkled in there. And this game and this story is the older style. So there are celebrity appearances. There are callbacks to past things on the show, 
but this is not about a current event in 20, like Facebook is the only thing I can really point to as a current event thing that they are making fun of. Uh, LARPing in general, I think hit like kind of a popularity spike around this time as well. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't, it never comments on that as a culture or anything. Right. It's just, it uses it as a backdrop. Yeah. And so like, I, I think modern South Park rightfully gets criticism for just making fun of everybody equally when, in my opinion, not everything should be made fun of equally out there. Mm-hmm. But this is not that kind of story. And it it it's so for this reason, it's a very enjoyable South Park story because it's just kids getting into weird nonsense. And like there's there's weird stuff like fucking, you know, Nazi zombies and um all this stuff we talked about before, like there's a whole level in an abortion clinic and there's a, a level like involving Mr. Slave and stuff like that. Mostly like the big 90, I would say like 80% of it is just kids being shitty to each other. And it's amazing. Yeah. That's the the core of South Park is those, those four kids being shitty to each other. And then you throw in uh, the side characters like Butters and Jimmy and uh, Craig and all of them. I love Butters so goddamn much. <laughs> oh, he, Butters is so good in this game. One of my favorite characters. He was um, my favorite party member for most of he's the game. He's the best. Yeah, he's, he's great. the best. He like he penetrates armor. He heals you. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ultimate attack is he turns into Professor Chaos. He's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> his healing attack is great. He just like walks over and you know gives you a back rub. Basically, yeah. <laughs> it's a back good. rub and a pep talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, the uh the story here is um it, it's all really rooted in this this role play. And there's like we said there's a lot of those meta RPG jokes about um RPGs but also how kids would be you know playing like this. So mm-hmm. to give you an example, when you beat an enemy, a lot of the enemies are just fighting other kids. So when you beat an enemy, they just lay there on the ground and play dead. And you can go Mm -hmm. loot them of their stuff, you know, classic video game stuff. Uh, But if you do anything to the body there, it's quickly like apparent they're not dead. They're playing. And so if you go over and hit them, they'll be like, ow, dude, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) When you unlock the ability to fart, uh, you can fart on them and they'll comment on it. Yeah. Like just not cool, bro. Not cool. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, There's one part later. I forget who it was, but like it's part of a story battle. So you beat them and they're like, they're down, but they're not dead. So like you try and click on their course, they're like, I'm not dead. So you can't loot me. Go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of good stuff uh, like that. Speaking of farts, that's another like kind of crude aspect of the story. There is a lot of fart humor in here. In fact, I would say it's probably the most common type of joke is mm-hmm. fart related stuff. Uh, but farts are funny. So I'm into it. Farts are amazing. Uh, it actually also plays into the sequel story of like why farts <laughs> are so important. <laughs> yeah. They, they pinned a lot on farts in this game. And I think just in the, the franchise in general, like I'm pretty sure the movie was about like a Terrence and Phillip fart movie. And that's why everyone was up in arms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the other kind of big thing about, you know, the way the story goes, you're progressing through this story where, you know, the kids are fighting over the stick of truth and then a bigger threat emerges and stuff like that. But a lot of the story does take you from place to place to 
have little, at least conversations with a lot of the side characters from the story. Like you go to Jimbo's gun shop, you go to city hall, you talk to the mayor, um, you go to tweaks coffee, like tweaks coffee is very funny, uh, to Mm me. Uh, Mr. Tweak gives his little monologues whenever you talk to him to buy, uh, coffee from him. It's basically kind of like a South Park greatest hits with uh, the people you meet. And also like there's underpants gnomes and Mr. Hankey and all of those really pop like Al Gore and man bear pig are prominently in this game. Jesus shows up. Yeah. uh, Jesus, the woodland creatures that Mm. worship Satan make an appearance. (laughs) It's, it's a, it is kind of like a um, playing the hits of the, the, what I consider to be like the golden age of South Park. thing we kind of talked about at the top is how this game feels like a South Park episode. So let's kind of like uh, dig into that a little bit. We we already mentioned the visuals. Just picture South Park in your head. That's what this game looks like. No qualifiers whatsoever. Um, Sounds exactly like the show too. Like I think the music is um, very South Parky with all of like the, the little background music that goes on in the show. It feels like that's here too. I thought it was funny that you're walking around a lot of times and there's like this dramatic fantasy music playing in the background, just kind of Mm -hmm. like a, you know, setting like a serious tone. And it has like these choral vocals that are just doing this ha, 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 like that. But it's Cartman singing it. And I thought that was very funny, the whole game. Yeah, it's just imagine like a Lord of the Rings track, but replace any person singing with Cartman singing. Yeah, it's very good. Um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone, uh, the two creators of South Park were heavily involved in the making of this game, which was apparently not the case with past South Park games before this. They were not involved in those and those games were so bad that they, there is at least an anecdote that I saw that they basically said, we're not making any more games because they suck and we're mm-hmm. like embarrassed by them. So when this eventually got greenlit and they started it. They wrote the script. They consulted with Obsidian like several times per week on what was going on with the development. And they did most of the voice acting for characters that they normally voice act, like the kids, like like Cartman, of course, the most famous one. So all of that goes a long way into, like we said, just giving the exact feel that the show gives when you watch the show. It's part of the authentication of like this feeling like an episode or a movie of the show. It's like, it's the same, you know, however many voice actors they normally have all doing the roles they normally do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, except for one character, which I, I will try to remember and talk about in the spoiler section. Um, if you're a longtime fan of South Park, you might be able to guess uh, who that is. But when they showed up later in the game, that made me laugh uh, the way that they did it. So yeah, I mentioned before, like, One of the things I don't really like about modern South Park is how topical it is and how current events focused it is. Um, And they said that the long development cycle of a video game basically forced them to not do that stuff uh, and to just make a 
grounded story, a more timeless story about uh, the kids. So mm-hmm. um, I, I think that, you know, video games take forever to make, but that this is an unqualified win for this game. Like other than the Facebook app that you're using throughout the game, nothing else about like the references that they make really feel dated unless it's like, uh, I found a Jennifer Lopez related thing uh, in the game. And I was like, oh, I haven't thought about Jennifer Lopez in 15 years, like stuff like that. But there's no like huge celebrity references other than Al Gore that would make this game feel dated and no current event stuff that would make it feel dated yeah. kind of gives it that timeless feel. Uh, just Al Gore. Uh, Antonio Banderas has a small mention. Yeah. <laughs> And even then, the Al Gore thing is like in the context of the show. Like yeah, he's doing exactly. what you know him to do in the show. Right. So it's not like he's suddenly showing up and like talking about modern politics or anything. No, it's like it's all the stuff they already have him in the show doing, like talking about Man Bear Pig. Yeah. So since they are kind of focusing on this more timeless, I don't want to use the word grounded because it's not a grounded story in the least. It's a ridiculous no. story, but I don't have a better word for it. So it's like a, we'll just stick with timeless. I suppose I should have written down uh, better words in the notes. Um, focused, I guess would be a good way to put it. Focused and evergreen. Evergreen. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a, an old style South park episode. So since they're not lampooning current events or whatever celebrities in the news, it is more focused on like what I would call South Park humor. Uh, we already mm-hmm. talked about the farts. We talked about, um, you know, the Al Gore and the man bear pig and stuff like that. How does South Park humor hit for you now? Uh, there's some stuff that makes me cringe a little, uh, yeah. like the city walk guy is a little rough. Yeah. Yep. But some of the stuff, like the more crude, like fart jokes and like general crassness I'm okay with. Yeah. Um, just cause that's kind of my style of humor anyway. Like I'm never going to get tired of hearing Kyle just yell, fuck you fat boy. Yeah. At Cartman. <laughs> there's some stuff that makes me cringe a little bit. Like, uh, there's a part where you're getting your passport that made me a little icky, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we could talk about it later behind the swear of the wall. Uh, right. and there is a similar situation in the sequel that I thought was going to be real bad based on like a screenshot I saw, I saw of it. It's in the sequel, so I'll just say it now. Like you're giving a dude a lap dance to get information out of him. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, and like on paper, that sounds terrible because you're a fourth grader, right? But the whole time you're just farting in his face like crazy <laughs> loud, and it made it legitimately funny. Yeah, I can, I can see that. that's one way to get around that is just to uh, yeah, just just have him farting the entire time. Yeah, it wasn't in any way titillating. It was just funny. Yeah. I agree about the city walk guy being the thing that it's weird. The city, like the city walk guy is not the quote worst thing that you'll see or experience in this game, but it is the thing that, you know, made me cringe the most, maybe because it involves just, it it involves uh, racist depiction and voice acting and like a whole thing. Yeah. Like the joke of him is like purely a racist one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that kind of gave me pause, but also, in that same scene, when you're talking to the city walk guy, there is a literal Mongolian horde sitting and eating lunch in his restaurant, and like they cut mm-hmm. over to the horde, and I thought that was very funny, just these Mongolian warriors in full armor just sitting in there eating yeah. lunch. <laughs> and they're 
they're still in the South Park like art style, but they're like way more high res than anyone else in the game. <laughs> like they still look like paper cutouts, but they actually have like lines in their faces. They don't just have like the circle head that everyone right. else has. Yeah. Like the armor has details to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, I, I was a little bit worried coming back to this. Um, like not saying that South Park gets a pass. Maybe I'm just conditioned to everything that South Park is doing. So a lot of, mm-hmm. if if I played another game that had, well, I was going to say the Canadians, but even like every Canadian <laughs> I know thinks that that's funny too. So, but like, yeah, if I played another game that had just like a super racist depiction of an Asian yeah. character, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? Maybe I'm just used to it in South Park. But that was the thing where I was like, yeah, they're still doing this, huh? Yep. I think it is just a matter of expectation and like, South Park kind of did like fill out this niche for itself mm-hmm. with all these things. Like the city walk guy isn't new. Right. And so like, he's kind of been established kind of. Right. Kind of the same as, um, Jimmy and Timmy, uh, in the, yeah. as, as far as like the kids go, Timmy's not really a big part of the game. Like he's barely there. He's, he's your fast travel system. He's your fast travel. It's yeah. amazing. So, yeah, there's there's that joke that the the kid in the wheelchair is your fast travel system, but like no one talks about it or anything like that. They do give Jimmy and his speech impediment like several scenes where he's giving big dramatic speeches and then like just can't get the last word out. Mm. He is a party member too, and actually a pretty useful one. He's yeah. a bard. He's a bard. Yeah, and he's very funny. The songs that he sings are great. Yeah, yeah, very crude, but but good. So yeah, it 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 was. I'm not like I played this game expecting to be like mad about, you know, insensitive stuff. And I came out of it like mostly thinking it's still pretty funny uh, the way Mm -hmm. they do it. There's a couple things where I was like, all right, that's uh, uh, a bit much. Yeah, I I landed around there too. Like there's a lot of stuff that's like, if you're already on board with South Park, you're kind of ready to like roll with the punches. Right. A lot of things they make as jokes are legitimately funny jokes. Yeah. Uh, A lot of the shocking things that they put in the game, I thought were so outrageous that I felt like I didn't have it in me to be upset. I was just like, this is fucking wild that this is what you're like. I, I hope no one walks in the room and sees what's happening right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there were some shocking things that I thought were legitimately very funny. Uh, We'll talk about some of those later. Um, I think a lot of the big shocking stuff was good. And then like South Park as a show just has a bunch of like jokes and the way people talk to each other and like just jokes about how the world of South Park works. And this game is full of jokes. Like every minute or so you're hit with something. So I, I thought a lot of those like more basic jokes worked. Yeah, there's stuff every like every few steps in this game, like every screen, there's some kind of reference for you to find. Yeah, uh, be it to an episode of the show or just a joke that they're making of the sh- in the game. Like there's a a community like billboard, like pinboard with flyers on it. Mm-hmm. But one of the flyers is for Timmy's band. Yeah, the Lords of the Underworld. Like, <laughs> amazing. Yeah, but also like uh, just. Uh, ambient dialogue of like people you pass will like talk shit to you about like how you're dressed weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's there's a lot of good humor here, like outside of being worried about uh, being grossed out or offensive or anything like that. Right. Yeah. You know, in South Park, I think 
doesn't get enough credit for being funny in those aspects. I think it's mm-hmm. always been a very funny show. It's not just like shocking and offensive funny. There's also just legitimate jokes in every South Park episode. Um, early in the game, you open up Cartman's closet and you just get like a just kind of a bunch of objects from old episodes of the show. Like the awesome mm-hmm. robot is in there. Uh, the faith plus one platinum record is in there, which is one of my favorite episodes of the show. It wasn't a platinum record. It was like a mauve or oh, whatever. Oh that, yeah. That, like, like myrrh or some get, shit. That's why yeah. he quits. Right. <laughs> Cause he, it's like, it's literally impossible to get a platinum record in Christian, in Christian music or that's whatever. Right. So yeah, he yeah. freaks out. Yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're full of that stuff. And then, yeah, like the classic South park, you know, joke stuff, aliens and underpants, gnomes and crab people and all that. It's, it's kind of just like a celebration of, uh, the show. Yeah. Uh, and a lot, like I said, I haven't watched a show in a long time, but like enough things were highlights or just known through osmosis that like, there were so many references that I caught like mile a minute, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the story that the kids are on, like going after the stick conflicts with each other. And then like the greater conflict that, that, you know, spins off from there. Uh, cause it, it does, you know, it stays within like the framework of that fight over the stick of truth, but there's like bigger stuff that happens. I thought that was, uh, fun, like not noteworthy really, but like fun Mm. to just be on that ride, I suppose. Kind of like the South park movie. Yeah. It's really great to me because every kid is committed to the bit. Yeah. Like they're all in this fantasy role-playing thing. So even when stuff goes like, absolutely wild in the real world with real stakes they're still worried about the stick yeah it's only about the stick yeah and uh worth worth noting too like the adult characters are also very funny because they're the adults in south park are are portrayed in a really fun way like throughout the show but in this game too where like there's something really big going on in the show and they're just hyper focused on something like some small part of it and just totally ignoring like the bigger problem in the city, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, you see Randy Marsh and all of the other adults just being themselves also. So they're worth shouting out as well. And it all just kind of like coalesces into this just fun ride of a South park story. Um, yeah. Without a lot of that stuff that I find bad about modern South park. Like I, dude, I watched their, COVID special that they put out legitimately some of the most embarrassing TV I've ever seen, like legitimately terrible. I don't think I've seen a South Park episode that was made within like the past six, seven years. Yeah. Like, uh, just, I haven't heard anything good. If there is anything good, I usually catch it through osmosis, but I think like the last most recent one was like the member berries. Yeah. And even that is probably more recent other than that COVID special, but I've seen clips, you know, like the uh, commercials or trailers or whatever. And I'm just like, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh. but this is the good stuff. This, uh, the stick of truth. This is the good stuff. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about this as a game. Let's do it. Let's listen to a bit of music. And then when we come back, let's talk about that RPG game. So 
So in the Stick of Truth, it is turn-based RPG combat. When you're not in combat, you're kind of you have free reign of the city for the most part. You can go just about anywhere, go into all the shops and stuff like that, see all the characters. Um, but the most notable part about the game is the combat. So combat is you as your character, and then you get one buddy character that you can switch out in combat. Throughout the game, you will have access to Butters, Kenny, Kenny's role-playing as a princess, Kyle, uh, Cartman, who's a wizard. I'm just going to guess that Kyle is a Jew-class character, and um, Jimmy, who's a a bard. He's the Jew-elf king, is his class. That's right, yeah, the Jew-elf king, yeah. And uh, you didn't have him listed here, but there's also Stan, who plays... A oh, ranger right. barbarian guy. Right, that's right, Stan, yeah. Um, I played with Stan sometimes, but mostly Butters, like 95% Butters, because Butters is a healer. Yeah, it was either Butters or Kyle for me, because Kyle has like some good uh, area effect moves. Nice, yeah. Like he'll, he'll, he attacks multiple people at once. Yeah. Um, you can switch your buddy character out in combat. Uh, it costs a turn to do so, but if you're playing someone, you're like, I need a healer. Uh, you can switch in Butters, and the next turn he'll be able to um, to act. The combat is timing-based with uh, timed hits and blocks to either get extra damage or to reduce damage, kind of like the Mario RPGs or Sea of Stars more recently if you played that. The timing yeah, I thought was... Mario. Yeah, Paper Mario. I thought the timing was pretty forgiving. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, uh, they color, like they have little flashes on screen. Mm-hmm. It's not just about watching animations and, and they color code them too for like, if there's particular buttons you need to press, it's a real friendly system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, friendly is kind of like a word that I think we'll use a lot for this combat system. Like there is strategy to what you do, but it's not hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this game wants you to use a little bit of strategy, but ultimately just have fun using these crazy abilities that each class has. So I played as the Jew class, which has um, basically all of the moves either involved, actually, no, now that I think about it, they all involve status effects. Um, The Jew class has like a kind of boomerang style attack. Uh, You have the circumcision knife. I don't remember the proper noun for it, Uh, but you, that um, quote shaves some armor off of enemies and also causes the bleed status. Uh, and then the Jew class also has like a call the four horsemen, like the plague and fire and all of that, uh, to, uh, to cause other status effects. Um, you played as the, uh, the warrior type this time. Yeah. The fighter, he starts out with like, uh, I forget what it's called in the game, but it's a baseball bat and a baseball. And the attack is just, teeing one off right in their face nice and (laughs) if you get the timing right it knocks them down and you just keep whacking them with the bat on the floor until it breaks nice (laughs) it doesn't start out with the status effect but it gains one as you level it up right and it adds on the bleeding status effects like we're gonna get into it later but like if you do this one right it stacks like four stacks of bleed on someone which is huge Mm -hmm. another one of theirs is you play a game of rock paper scissors with them and if you do it right, you get to kick him in the nuts. <laughs> and that That's causes the stun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's another one that is you put on like football pads and a helmet and just go charging at a group. And that helps break down armor. Mm. Like it's really silly, but like 
what you're doing is actually effective in terms of like RPG stuff. Yeah. Another thing that's cool is like, so I'm playing as the Jew class. You played as the warrior class. Stan is also kind of a warrior type. Stan has a big sword uh, that he fights with, but Stan's Mm -hmm. moves are not the same as what you just described. Stan's are all unique to him, um, which is cool. Yeah. Like they really did a good job designing each party member to like fill a niche while not copying a move set that you would get access to. Right. Yep, exactly. Uh, and the enemies that you fight, especially like the unique bosses and stuff, like if you're fighting a named character that you know from South Park, like say you're fighting Al Gore, Al Gore's attacks are all based on like his character from the show and like jokes and weird shit that he yells in the show. Like mm-hmm. his his big attack is he just yells Excelsior and runs at you and hits you. Um, yeah. All that stuff is great. I don't know if I was under level for it or what, but Al Gore was the hardest fight in the game for me. <laughs> very, that's very funny. As a uh, just to take this out of context, Al Gore was the the hardest. Al boss Gore fight in the game. is the toughest boss. Yeah, exactly. Does um, that sound it? <laughs> yeah. This, uh, I think, the most important thing about this combat system, other than timing your hits and blocks, is status effects like. Mm-hmm. I think by the end of the game, just about every move I had would use status effects and like butters had a couple that didn't, but they would be like, okay, so it doesn't do a status effect, but it hits like four people or it hits everyone yeah. in a row or something like that. But status effects are great. It's always fun when an RPG gives you a bunch of status effects and then actually lets you use them, which is a, a novel concept for some famous uh, RPG series. But this one is actually like, it doesn't matter. You fight any boss, you can use any status effect for the most part. Uh, You can't use like the berserk status effect against uh, bosses, but you can poison them or gross them out is what it's called in this game. You can, uh, you can put bleed on them. You can light them on fire. All that stuff works all the time. Yeah, it's, they're, they're really big. They're huge for this game as like easy as the game ends up being like, you could probably get away with never using them, but using them it makes it so much easier they're so effective they do huge amounts of damage if you're able to stack them up Mm -hmm. Uh, stunning enemies is huge because you're almost always outnumbered you have yeah you and one party member most of the time sometimes you're solo so anything you do to like take someone off the board even temporarily is huge yeah absolutely and even if you're not using the special abilities that have status effects on them, you get these, like, I think they call them badges that you can put on your weapon that can add status effects or stat boosts or anything like that. So there's some customization to like how it's not, you're not making a build per se, but like I was playing as the Jew class that had, um, one attack that did fire status to everybody. So I also just stacked my weapon up with a bunch of extra fire damage. So whenever mm-hmm. I hit them, you know, it put extra fire damage, more stacks of fire and, you know, things just kind of melt if you pay attention to that stuff. Yeah. You're not like building, building, but you can definitely emphasize stuff. Like there are add-ons that like add in like, oh, you do extra damage if you hit someone who's stunned or you do extra damage if you hit someone that's bleeding like things like that so like you can get bonuses off the back of status effects which makes them important that way but also for their effect like i mentioned before bleed the four stacks you get just off the one move 
though that was like taking out three fourths of someone's hp right when it triggered it's huge yeah so those status effects are like part one of why i think the combat is easy uh part two of why the combat is easy is every turn you can use an item and you can uh attack every Mm -hmm. single turn you just get a free use of an item or your characters all have like this special skill butters is special free skill is to heal your your uh, mm-hmm. your created character so every single turn my character can use an item to give me an extra attack or heal me or do anything mm-hmm. and then i use one of these super powerful abilities with a bunch of status effects and then butters can heal me for free and then butters mm-hmm. can do one of his attacks which are also great like Butters has this uh, call lightning attack that hits a bunch of people. Yeah. He's also got this thing where he sp- he spins in a circle and throws his hammer and like hits someone and it gives them the berserk, uh, which they call pissed off in here. Yeah, gives them that status. Uh, and Butters always he always apologizes after the hammer hits them too. He's like, "Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I was just I was just trying it out." And even his normal attack, where you don't use like your special points or whatever, like his normal attack is really good like it's designed to break through armor and stuff like for being the first party member you get he's useful through the whole game yeah he's really good oh the other thing about combat and i forgot to mention it because i did not use it the entire game is the fart magic so your special abilities consume power points pp abbreviated Mm -hmm. um and then you also have another type of mana i think it's just called mana uh, for fart magic. And I did not use this the entire game. Did you do this? I did sometimes. Uh, it's if you use it with your normal attacks, it's slightly better than a heavy attack. And then using the actual spells is a good way to just use the poison status on somebody. Oh, true. Uh, yeah. That's like their biggest use. Uh, but I'm already, like we already mentioned, like customized for bleed and stun because that was the thing my regular abilities had. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't really get much use out of it either. Plus, like uh, something that we didn't know know is that every battle you start with a full PP bar. Right. Like you never have to recharge it between battles. It recharges on its own. Same thing with your health. Yeah. Another reason why this game is really easy, like you get full health, full pp every battle Mm -hmm. so if you want me to use special abilities giving me basically infinite points to do it is the way to go right Uh, mana however does not fill on its own you have to drink or eat the potions quote unquote that i give it to you which is usually like burritos tacos (laughs) basically anything that stereotypically makes you fart right (laughs) so i wasn't really loaded up on those too much and so i didn't usually have a lot of points to spread around and use it. So I was usually just using my normal abilities and my normal attacks. Yeah. And the game is, like we said, it's it's pretty easy. It's not like you need to incorporate these in your battle strategy at all. Mm-hmm. Um, the main reason I didn't use these uh, fart attacks is they have out of combat use as well. They're used as like ways to open up paths and stuff out in the world. Uh, but they tutorial they give you these tutorials for them and they are like some just worst in class tutorials at at teaching you how to do it they're super strict yeah. about it like you have to do these 
you know, pull the right thumbstick, rotate the right thumbstick to the right position, and then like move up the left thumbstick. But it's like somehow harder than that. So yeah. And like, you never have to actually do that outside of the tutorial. Once you do it in the tutorial, it's basically unlocked and it's just a menu command. Mm -hmm. But like that tutorial is really confusing and bad. Yeah. So I thought you had to do those in combat too, like the, the weird, you know, jiggling the weird, you know, moving the thumbsticks in those precise ways. So I just never Mm -hmm. did it. There is a way if like enemies are preparing like a giant attack, you can do one of the fart spells and like interrupt them, which I only found out on like the final boss or like the penultimate boss or something like that. Cause they actually told me, Hey, do it. And I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, that's right. You can fart in this game. Yeah. Um, going back to what you mentioned about like learning the abilities and how they're used in the overworld. We didn't really talk about it, but this is like a weird kind of Metroid exploration based game. Yeah. When you're in the town, same way, like the combat harkens back to like Mario RPG, the open world gives me like, um, like a combination of Metroid and like river city ransom. Okay. Where it's, a small intimate space that you get to know really well. Yeah. And then the Metroid part comes in because you're unlocking things that let you explore around. Like you get the farts, which usually are used to either open up passages. Cause like there's a gas tank on fire and if you fart on it, it explodes. Yeah. And it'll blow up a, you know, a wooden pallet that's, that's blocking the entrance or something. Yeah. Or you'll unlock like things that will break stuff in the background to like lower ladders or, mm-hmm. You get a weird teleport for a weird reason we'll get into later. <laughs> yeah, th- those are fun. It, the The open world, it's a good point. It's it's um, small, open from the beginning, but you, you won't be able to explore everywhere until you get mm-hmm. those uh, abilities. Small in the way that like the open worlds in Yakuza games are small, but this game yeah. has way more exploring and you know stuff to find than a Yakuza game has. Like you'll explore around, you'll find side quests, but you'll also find like tons of treasure, uh, new weapons. Even if it's not like useful items, you'll find, like you said, like that Antonio Banderas blow up doll, which yeah. is just, it's, it's a joke that you find your reward for searching Cartman's mom's nightstand is you find <laughs> a blow up doll of Antonio Banderas. Among many, many other toys. Yes. <laughs> so many toys. Yeah. And they're all just worth like, 30 cents or whatever at the junk retailer. Like it's just money for you to spend on your character. Right. But it is like a quick chuckle just for looking around and people's stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you will find some, like some good stuff, like a lot of those badges that you can use to customize your weapons. You'll find Mm -hmm. as just rewards for exploring or for doing side quests. And, um, you'll also get summons for doing side quests for a lot of like the, famous side characters like Mr. Hankey, uh, for example, summons are only they're limited use. You can only use them once per day, like in game day, and you Mm -hmm. can't use them against bosses. Uh, This is another like fun meta RPG thing. Like Mr. Hankey will say like, summon me whenever you need, but not against a boss. I'm not an idiot. You know? Yeah. They're scary. Yeah. (laughs) This is probably my biggest, uh, hang up with the game on a mechanical level, just personally, uh-huh. because it is like these summons are powerful. They will like clear out a field, but something like that, personally, I don't want to use that just against scrubs, you know, like right. it feels like a waste. And then they're only useful once a day, but 
the days only advance on story beats. Right. Like it's not like a time system of like, Oh, you know, 20 minutes later, it's another day. I'll go back and get another one. No, like you can only get like three, the whole game. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, you're not really incentivized to use them at all, unless you want to just see like a visual joke. Right. It's just set up in a perfect storm kind of way where it's like, if I want to save a summon for something that's difficult, I'm not going to use it. Like you said, I'm not going to use it when I'm just fighting like some other kids. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to save it for something difficult. But the only things that ever approach being actually difficult are the bosses and you can't use them against bosses. So exactly. I actually never used one in the entire game. Uh, And like you said, there's like, yeah, like three days in the game's story and you never know when it's coming. Like sometimes they'll just be like, okay, time for bed, go home and go to sleep. And you're like, oh, okay, that's the end of the day. But you never got any indication that it was getting late or whatever. No, the only time it happens is like, you can't, uh, you don't have time to explore, but it does like turn night at one point. Yeah. But at that point you're locked into whatever, like the quest that's happening is. So you can't go out and explore or anything at night. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is kind of funny. There was one point in the game when, uh, oh, like some characters like giving some evil speech and they're like, and you'll never stop me. And you're like, well, why? Why won't we stop you? And they're like, because it's bedtime. And like someone's parent comes yeah. right out and is just like, kids, come to bed. And you're like, ah, and the kids all walk home. And it's like, no one can stop us now. Yeah. Get your ass back in the house. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, great. Again, that that commitment to like the little kids playing outside like they can do whatever the hell they want but when their parents say it's time for bed they're like all right yeah uh we did kind of skip over this in the notes but like the enemy types in this game are amazing they're great like very fun to interact with like it's other kids older kids yeah aliens gnomes zombies it's amazing and this kind of goes tacks on to the charm for me because again like Everyone, most of the other kids you're fighting, they're in on the game. They're role-playing with you. Right. The adults and aliens and stuff you're fighting aren't in on the game. So the reason, like, combat still works is because you're using actual weapons against them. Like, how we mentioned Butter's hammer. It's an actual ball-peen hammer. Yeah. Like, (laughs) even if he's playing, he hits someone with that. It hurts. Yeah. Even if he hits Al Gore with it, it's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, it's a cool little charm thing that i'm way into yeah yeah it's great like you you start out with all the kids fighting with you know like we said wooden swords or like butters has the hammer but um Mm -hmm. you you start out with household objects uh and then later on you do find just literally like weapons of legend and shit like that Mm -hmm. that you're fighting with which is very fun Uncle Jimbo gives you an actual katana. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> exactly. Jimbo would be the kind of character to give a fourth grader a <laughs> katana. Yeah. Like there's no suspension of disbelief there. He would do that. He's that kind of person. Yeah. Like he actually, like I'm pretty sure there's a line of dialogue of like, the only reason I'm not giving you a gun is because legally I can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, those enemies uh, are great. And a lot of the enemies are ways for them to like, you know, like I said, do that kind of greatest hits parade of things you're fighting. Mm-hmm. So like there's a section where you fight the underpants gnomes and then you fight the aliens, like the very first episode of South park, the aliens that are yeah. there. The fifth graders are really funny. Like I always found South park's depiction of older kids really funny. They all have like sideburns and shit. Yeah. 
and like weird squished faces of like because they're not adults but they're not kids so right. they're like weirdly in the middle yeah uh it's it's great so and then this game has uh super bosses that you can fight and those are also very funny uh enemy designs um jimbo actually sets you on the hunting quest to go around and find these optional bosses there's like ah fuck i forget what animal it is but it is just a penis it's like a oh i forget I if forgot it's a what rat it was, or something like that but it's it is, like a mole rat or something yeah but like, but it is just a it, penis yeah it's just a dick yeah <laughs> uh there's that and then like when you go into canada which like has its own art style like the super boss there matches that art style. Yeah. Yeah. Very good stuff. Uh, yeah. so y- y- the references and stuff are all part of the story, but they are all really well integrated into the gameplay too. It's just all mm. this stuff. It, it shows the, the dedication and the love to, uh, the love of South park to, uh, to put it all in the game in this, like just really satisfying and fun way. Yeah. Yeah. They put a lot of thought into it. You, you can tell. Did you go out of your way to find people to add on Facebook? Was there like a benefit to it that you found? Uh, the biggest benefit I found, which the game does outright tell you, is you get perks for your character, right, like right. the more you have. Mm-hmm. Perks and skill points. Skill points come when leveling up. You will never have enough to max out everything. So you are kind of picking and choosing what's most beneficial to you. Right. But in terms of chasing people down, unless it was like a bespoke side quest, uh, I literally just talked to everyone around me as I ran into them. And mm-hmm. if I got added, I got added. If not, I didn't super chase it down unless it was something simple. Like one person won't add you until like you knock a ball out of a tree to get it back for them. And then they'll add you. Yeah. I think the hardest one is like getting the kinder- kindergarteners. Oh yeah. Cause you have to go find them. Yeah. The, you play a game of hide and seek with them and they're spread all throughout the world map. Side note there. I think the kindergarteners are made like super cute. Yeah. Like, they're very super cute. small and have big ass eyes. Yeah, they're very cute. Yeah. Re- finding all the kindergartners reminded me of just like, you know, walking around on that playground, especially um, if you're with Butters, if, if Butters is your companion, he'll like point out places around town where people bullied him. Uh, but, yeah. it's, but it's funny because it's Butters <laughs> saying it. And then if you have Cartman as your buddy character, he will point out places around town where he bullied Butters, which I thought was also yeah. very funny. Yeah, it's real good. I didn't really wander around with anyone else, so I don't know if anyone else has incidental dialogue like that. I'm sure they do. There's not that many of them, so no, they they probably do. But yeah, um, anything else about the the gameplay that's that's noteworthy here? Uh, we pretty much covered it. Like, if you've played, you know, a JRPG, pretty much around the N64 to late Super Nintendo era, you have a basic understanding of how this combat works, and yeah. it's a really good, exp- really good basic expression of it yeah the the combat is fine um it's not that hard there is a hard mode that you can like you can up the difficulty if you want i didn't try that um i was mainly just in it for the south park rather than Mm -hmm. this combat system um but i i guess before we finish i do want to reiterate how fun it is to explore around the town and just find you know all the stuff that you can unlock and treasure you can find and references npcs side quests like all of that stuff is really well done it's really satisfying like just in the same kind of vein of exploring like the way they put together the puzzles with like the movement and character abilities you get Mm -hmm. and like a lot of them are really clever 
like there's some good stuff here in terms of like simple environmental puzzle solving. Yeah. This is um, Obsidian that, that we're mm-hmm. talking about here. These are like long time high class video game developers. And just because it's a South Park game uh, doesn't mean that they like took this one off or something like that. Yeah. Like This is a really well made game. And again, I'll reiterate it. This is their best game. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot agree with you there, but uh, I do like I'm, I'm not going to argue that uh, this game is anything <laughs> less than really good. Uh, it's good. Um, so that gives us a little transition into uh, final thoughts here. And then uh, we'll do some housekeeping before spoiler time. So, um, Adam, this I, I feel like this is a pretty simple question to answer for this game. But who would you recommend South Park The Stick of Truth to? Anyone over the age of 16 who <laughs> wants to play a simple RPG. <laughs> okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, if you want to play just, you know, here's simple turn-based combat. It's a quick, you know, quick little story and adventure, lots of jokes. You know, I'll let you borrow this. Here's here's my 360 copy. Here's a question for you, which I am just not able to give an answer to. Do you think someone who has either never watched South Park or is like indifferent to it would enjoy this? Um, I think they would need a primer if they're not familiar with South Park. Like just give them a heads up like, hey, it's not a family show. Yeah. Don't play it with don't play it with kids in the room. Don't even play it with your spouse in the room unless they're cool. Mm-hmm. But I think if you make it probably up to the underpants gnomes is probably as bad as it gets. Yeah, that's that's one of the parts. Yeah. <laughs> but if you can make it through the underpants gnome, you're probably good for the rest of the game. Yeah. I asked that question because uh, I think if you really don't like South Park, there's no way you're going to like this game. I, I just, oh, yeah. just straight up. Like, if you're already on the fe- on the position of you think South Park sucks, I don't think this is going to ab- turn you around at all. No. But if you're more on like the whatever side or you kind of like it side, this has more to offer. Yeah. And then if you're someone like me who has a lot of like nostalgia for South Park and especially that older era of South Park, uh, this uh-huh. is great. Like if this is exactly what you would hope for. Um, so for South Park fans, really easy recommendation. Like I said, you can get it on like every modern console. I uh, I played the sequel on Switch. This is available on Switch too. There's no reason to think it wouldn't you know run well. It's not a super graphically demanding game. Um, you uh, can yeah, play I've... this on PS Plus for free uh, if you're already mm-hmm. paying for PS Plus. That is, but it's on there. Yeah, in general, PS Plus I think is a pretty good deal. Like I bought it when I got my PS5 and like basically was able to burn through a few of the exclusives on there. It's a pretty good price for what it's asking. Not as good as Game Pass, but it's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's not as good as Game Pass, but I do think it gets pretty unfairly shit on. Like the game catalog that they have is pretty damn good. Yeah, it's more bigger names where Game Pass has more interesting stuff, if that makes sense. Yeah. We're diverging pretty hard right now. Yeah, it's <laughs> to general right. stuff. But that's all right. <laughs> yeah, uh, I would recommend this for sure get it on a sale like i did like 20 bucks is not a bad price for you know 20 to 30 hours if you buy both games right yeah the the last kind of just thing about recommending it is if you really love rpgs of this type like i think that this is a pretty fun one but it 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 really does depend on how you feel about south park first and foremost in my opinion 
because it is it's everywhere like you're there's no escaping the south park of no. the south park game no and like you might be able to get through like you said like the first four hours or so without a bunch of like really intense south park humor but it's coming and we'll talk about that yeah. in the spoiler section uh here in a minute but yeah pretty pretty simple recommendation here at the end uh little housekeeping before we get into the spoiler section if you would like to support the show, the best thing you can do is just tell someone that you like it. That's really helpful. Um, sharing the show is great. You can also leave a rating and review. That's also helpful. If people search for podcasts about the South Park games, they might find this episode. And that's cool because I think this is fun so far. Um, you can also join the Discord server that we have open. Uh, you can come in there and chat with me and with Adam and lots of other really cool people about video games. We've got a great community. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to hang out on the old internet. And if you want to support monetarily, you can do that at patreon.com slash real Dave Jackson. You can vote in polls for what games I do on the show. Uh, lots of other treats as well. Also, you get the knowledge that you're supporting someone named Dave. And that's that's priceless as far as I'm concerned. Oh, I also have my other show. Uh, it's called A Top 3 Podcast. And of special note in this episode, that's a top three list podcast. If you like South Park, we did do an episode of Top 3 South Park episodes. That was a year or two ago. It was a while ago, but it was fun. If you like South Park, go check that out. So with that being said, Adam and I are going to take a break. And when we come back, full spoilers for South Park, The Stick of Truth. Okay, Adam and I are back, and it is time for the full spoiler discussion for South Park, The Stick of Truth. And in this spoiler section, we are not going to, you know, dedicate a ton of time to, like, actually what happens in the story. Uh, instead, there are just a bunch of fun and or memorable moments that I want to talk about, and we might get into the developing plot. Because, I, I mean, the plot is pretty funny, so we'll talk about it, but this is not going to be a beat by beat story breakdown by any means. Yeah. So um, we mentioned at the beginning or in the uh, gameplay section, we mentioned a traversal ability that you get, which is you get an anal probe shout out to the very first episode of South Park <laughs> and the anal probe like activates these teleportation devices around town. And this becomes like your first traversal ability is you can teleport onto a roof or something like that whenever you see yeah. one of these um, things around. But uh, the aliens come to South Park. They give you an anal probe. Um, you have a big thing on the uh, the ship with Randy Marsh, who also gets uh, probed. And he, if I remember right, he kind of just says like, yeah, this happens all the time. <laughs> yeah, like he's totally nonplussed about the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> like this is a Tuesday for Randy. Yeah. During that part, and this was, this is like the only notable thing I wrote down about this is during that anal probe scene, uh, there's a cutscene where the aliens... All right, so your character um, mm -hmm. is becoming like this legendary farter around town, like with your, your fart yeah. magic. And you the people start to compliment like your amazing like butthole control and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> when they're trying to like drill into your ass to like anal probe you, it's like, 
not working. Like your, your control is just so great. And there's this cutscene where there is a drill, not like a drill, but like a, I don't know, a fucking dildo or something. That's just like pounding your character's ass. Mind you, fourth grader, fourth grader. Yeah. Just all out. Just, yeah. Just (laughs) pounding the shit out of your character's ass drilling in there. And you're supposed to do something during that cutscene. You're supposed to do like your your fart magic or something like that. But I didn't. You're supposed to mash a button. Oh, mash a button. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I didn't know you were supposed to do something. And so for literal minutes, I just sat there, like (laughs) I thought it was a. I thought it was just an an unusually long cutscene. I was like, and then after like three or four minutes, I was like, Am I supposed to do something here? This is taking. I mean, even for South Park, too long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the absolute ridiculousness of this story and the way it actually ties into how the game works is pretty great. Like how you mentioned the teleporter, like it's straight up like when you activate the teleporter, the giant satellite thing that comes out of Cartman's butt in the very first episode. Right. Yeah. It's like scaled down a little bit, but it's obviously referencing that. Yeah. Uh, and then like activating those teleporters like gets you access to treasure, it gets you access to like other character references that yeah. you know you make friends with on Facebook can unlock perks and stuff like it's a solid system. Yeah, it lets you go down in the sewers uh, where you meet Mister Hanky and his family. You can do a side quest mm-hmm. to find uh, find their kids, um, and then get Mister Hanky as a summon. Uh, it's it's yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so you wrote a note here about finding Professor Chaos's lair uh, being a highlight of the game. And I did not find this. So uh, what's going on with Professor Chaos? So you walk into Butter. I think it's in Butter's house that you go into his room. And if you like search through all his stuff, you can find a key that unlocks one of the storage units where Al Gore hangs out. Oh, right. Yeah. So like one of those is Professor Chaos's lair and you walk in, it's pitch black. And like you see a little alarm going off in the corner. It says like the chaos alarm or whatever. And he starts giving you uh, a countdown saying, like, the world is going to end in 10, 9, 8, blah, blah, blah. And then when it hits zero, all the lights turn on. And it's literally his base from the show, Uh like the evil base that he made. Uh, His little buddy is there, uh, Professor Disarray. You can add him on Facebook. (laughs) And the plan is, because you tripped this alarm, all the electricity in the storage unit turned on. So now it's going to stay on until the world is drained of power. Oh, nice. Because that's the level of supervillain Professor Chaos is. Right. Is, exactly. And I think it's amazing. <laughs> that is, yeah, that's really good. Good stuff. Any, yeah. any Butters content is usually good in South Park and in this game, especially. Yeah. Yeah. And then shout out to like the sequel. Like you go, he is Professor Chaos in the sequel because it's all superheroes and that's his superhero right. identity. Well, supervillain. Right. And his lair that you go to in the sequel is in that storage unit. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the plot, I guess the plot kind of develops the, the kids, the humans versus the elves war. Um, you pick a side at some point, uh, during the, the show, like they, they make you pick and all it determines is just like for a couple hours you have, you're on this side. So I picked Kyle and Stan, which are the elf side, um, because mm-hmm. I think it's funnier when Cartman is the villain in South Park. Yeah. Cartman like, gets real even, mad at you. It's really funny. Even from a role-playing side, like this guy just calls me douchebag all the time. Why am I going to be on his side? Right. Exactly. So um, you pick their side. Eventually, both sides join up because 
the UFO that you were on and getting anal probed uh, crashes into the South Park Mall, and then there's this big government cover-up. Um, there's a mm-hmm. giant flying saucer sticking out of the ground, uh, but the government comes in and just pacifies all the adults in town by telling them that it's a new Taco Bell uh, being built, yeah. <laughs> and the adults are obsessed with the new Taco Bell that's coming in. I thought that was great. Just like, this is exactly how they would handle it in the show. They would all yeah. be just talking about the Taco Bell. Like, uh, uh, like they start probing the government guy with questions, not about the UFO that's clearly in sight. Right. Like about the Taco Bell menu. Like, right. will it have Doritos Locos? Will it have <laughs> the Gordita or whatever? And like, it gets to a point the government guy's like tired of asking questions. So he has someone shot in the crowd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it's very good. Uh, and then from that UFO, uh, it leaks this toxic liquid that turns people into Nazi zombies. Mm-hmm. First of all, Nazis and zombies both extremely played out as, yeah. uh, you know, evil forces, but Nazi zombies in South park. I still thought this was really funny. And I mostly think it's funny because they all have these old clips from Hitler speeches as their dialogue. Uh, when yeah. they go into battle or when you see them in like a cutscene or something, they don't have voices. They just play like a, a three second clip of Hitler doing a speech. And that, yeah, like with that old timey, like, you know, it sounds like an old radio message and stuff. It's, yeah. Like this, the weird static of yeah. like the recording technology of that time, yeah. like very clearly spoken into a low quality microphone of the time. Yeah. Like, so because of that really funny. Yeah, it's like a like anything you would hear on the History Channel, how it sounds like crap is just coming out of a South Park character. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Uh, and even like when you meet the Nazi zombie aborted fetuses or like Nazi zombie mm-hmm. cats that you fight, they have that they dialogue it. too. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> Committed to the bit, which is like the the shining VIP idea of this game is everything is committed to the bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. So let's talk about that underpants gnomes scene. <laughs> I had, I had for, I had remembered the part where you go in Mr. Slave's ass later in the game. I remembered that mm-hmm. from 10 years ago. I forgot about the underpants gnomes section. And this, this just made me cackle. Like I thought it was just so over the top that it was very, very funny. It's like, I feel like this is a litmus test for how tolerable you're going to be for how crazy things get later. Like this is the most insane thing they could show you without being like as insane as they get later. Yeah. And like, I think it does get more insane later. Yeah, but for sure. Yeah. This you're right. This is the point where like someone might tap out, but Mm -hmm. honestly, like, I think this is really well done. So I don't, I don't like, anticipate people being like, this is the breaking point, you know? Um, so if you're just listening and you didn't play it, you meet the underpants gnomes, the underpants gnomes are from the show. They, they're little gnomes. They steal people's underwear. Uh, they have a great song that has been stuck in my head for at least 20 years now, uh, that they sing while they're out working. Gotta go to work, mm-hmm. work all day. We went the underpants. Yeah. That song. So you get shrunken down by the underpants gnomes uh, as you're trying to chase them from stealing your underwear. You go inside the walls of your house and your parents in the next bedroom start to have sex. And it starts out when you're just going through the wall, you can just hear them kind of like in the distance, 
having sex. Yeah. Um, you, you hear people having sex through the wall. Yeah. And you, but you're busy. You're, you're fighting rats inside the walls and stuff like that. Then mm-hmm. you emerge from a hole in your parents' bedroom wall out onto their dresser where you like the, the focus is on the foreground where you are, but in the background on the bed, you see them having sex. Yeah. And they are fucking, yeah, they're going at it. Yeah. They are, very they are funny. Getting yeah. down. <laughs> um, and then like you fight some battles when you are, uh, like on that dresser, you fight a battle and it, that's just the background of the battle is them on the bed yep. in the distance. And so like, I, I started to remember, I was like, oh, okay, I remember this part. But I didn't remember that it just keeps escalating because after that, you the gnome takes whatever it takes your underpants or whatever and like runs and gets up on the bed with them. And so you chase them and you have a fight with the gnome when your parents are right there. And the boss battle music against the gnome warlock is just this like sexy time R&B music. It's like a porn jam. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh you're chasing him because he has like the magic powder or whatever that will turn you back to normal size. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he runs onto your, your parents' bed, just trying to get away from you. And when the boss battle starts, like there's, I want to say like your mom's hands because mm-hmm. they are, you know, getting down and you can see the vibe, like you see them like gyrating, but you don't see anything yet. Yeah. <laughs> then- yeah. Uh, there's a QTE in the middle of the boss fight where you have to dodge your dad's balls as they like swing past you. Yeah. <laughs> they swing, they like pendulum through and you do and like you a matrix to dodge, dodge to, yeah. to dodge them. It's very funny. And then after you, uh, win the boss fight, you just get smashed by your dad's balls at the end. And that's how that scene ends. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a complete non sequitur of like, it has nothing to do with any plot that's going on with the kids, with the aliens, anything. No, nope. they just randomly show up, but you get like a cool power afterwards of like being able to shrink down and find hidden shit. Yeah. And it's just like, this is the kind of thing that old South park thought was funny. Like, what if we had this joke about like, you know, parents having sex, but then we escalated it so much mm-hmm. like to the point, the only way it could have escalated more is if you got involved somehow, basically. Yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't even want to think about that, but yeah, that that's the line they went up to. Yeah. Uh, another favorite of mine, I didn't write it down is like, there's a whole, uh, subplot of part of the main quest where you're trying to get the emo kids on your side. The yeah. Goth kids. Yeah. Oh man. Like that's one of my favorite episodes of the show in general is mm-hmm. when Stan gets broken up with becomes goth because, I was a gop kid in high school and it's just, Uh it's absolutely needling that little subculture (laughs) and it's amazing. Uh, yeah. So like the whole thing is like, you have to go to like this homeless guy that's selling clothes, Mm -hmm. get all black clothes, get eye makeup. And like, you have to basically prove yourself to them, like through all these weird little tasks. And it's very funny because like, if you want to be anti-conformist, you have to be exactly like us. Exactly. Yeah. That joke is amazing. That, didn't that it also involved like you have to like dance to like a like a the cure sounding song to, oh, to win yeah. respect. <laughs> yeah, and the way you dance is literally just hold a coffee and smoke a cigarette yeah. and bob your head. <laughs> <laughs> and like I one of them was like, Oh man, he's good. Yeah. Uh you have to uh, you have to go get the coffee from uh, Mr. Tweak and he just I, I love his little monologues when you 
when you talk to me. He's like, welcome to Tweaks Coffee. I see you've selected light roast, light, like the sunlight bouncing off the snow on a winter's morning. Yeah. <laughs> and like every single time, like a little like nature-y, like light guitar, yeah. <laughs> guitar starts playing in the background. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, that part with the goths was good. Let's see. After that, that's the uh, abortion clinic level is after that, um, which mm-hmm. includes uh, such hits as a QTE mini game to give Randy Marsh a fake abortion. Uh, so that I forget why he's in there, like on the like in the stirrups and shit, but he's there. And in order to like keep his cover and uh, I think it's the government agents you're trying to escape mm-hmm. from. Yeah, you have to pretend to give him an abortion, which is a QTE mini game that comes back later in the game. Yeah, uh, this uh, during the abortion part was uh, this was the part my wife decided to look at my TV <laughs> <laughs> uh, because our setup is like we do have two TVs in the living room. I'm usually playing video games while she watches TV shows or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not really involved with whatever what the other one's doing. And this was the moment she chose to look and see what I was up to. Yeah. I had a couple times, I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like anyone like gets mad or something when they see it, but it's just like, oh, come on, of all the times when you're going to look at the TV, it's, yeah. it's this part. Um, I had, a, I think my wife walked in during the uh, part where you're in Mr. Slave's ass later and there's just like, there's cum <laughs> all over the place. It's gross. So yeah, a lot of stuff like that. Yeah. And then you you fight a giant aborted fetus Nazi zombie uh, because it's South Park and you, you spend, yep. they, they really hammer that joke in specifically. It was Chloe Kardashian's. That's right. Cause it was the dialogue. biggest one they'd ever seen. I guess that's yeah. as much of a celebrity dig as you get, which like, that's basically nothing. I'll laugh at those jokes all day. Right. Yeah. Also a uh, special achievement. If you beat that boss and then fart on it, you get <laughs> You get a trophy or a achievement or whatever. Of course, of course. Because like, like, and then I think the achievements even call like that's a little far. Yeah, <laughs> that's going too far because you're you're farting on an aborted fetus. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, what a game. Um, after this, you have to go to Canada, and before you go to Canada, you have to go to that passport. You have to get a passport, and this is yeah. one of the parts you talked about earlier as like a a little. Um, this gave me a little bit of the ick. Yeah. Because it, it's, it is played for laughs, but it's very real of like, you walk into the photo studio, the guy's obviously kind of a creep just based on his, uh, like mannerisms and stuff. Right. So it's like, Oh yeah, let me take you into the back room where I'll take your picture. Mm-hmm. And then he starts asking you to like, take your clothes off bit by bit as he's taking your pictures. And it's like, he, he keeps saying like, Oh, you know, the light just isn't working with your shirt. We're going to need you to take your shirt off. And so like you're, you, you can say no, but he'll just, he'll just keep insisting. So then you take your shirt off and then he's like, "Uh, you know what, that it's the light. It's just not working with your pants. Why don't you go ahead and take your pants off? And then I think, I think he tries to say like, you're going to have to take your underwear off too. And then you actually just have a boss fight against him. Like the actual, cause he, I guess broke in and like kidnapped the guy who actually runs the right. Photoshop. Yeah. So like that guy like pops out of the back room and like all beaten up is like, what the fuck? Yeah. And like, and then you end up fighting the, the pedophile guy. Like that was the only part that gave me a little bit of the hankle just because of like how real it was. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, I sat there and said like, no, like eight times, yeah. like, no, I'm not going to do that. But like, 
No. Yeah. yeah it won't let you. Yeah, do it. Yep. Um, but the good news is after this, you go to like, I, I think maybe other than like the abortion clinic, like the Canada part is probably the most famous part from this game that gets like shared around. I had never heard or seen this before. Interesting. I didn't get this far in my first time playing it. I had no idea this existed and it's amazing. Oh, it's great. So like, yeah, the first time I saw it too, it was a big, uh, big shock because you, you go to Canada and Canada is an eight bit, like NES RPG with those graphics and stuff. Like it reminds me of, um, like a, like a dragon quest or something like that. Yeah. Like dragon quest or like any of the, uh, like indie revival of that style, like Cthulhu saves Christmas or whatever it's called. Uh, very simple rudimentary RPG. Everything is squares. Yeah. Um, Like there's no depth, like everything just looks like a flat sheet of paper with squares on it. It's amazing. Yeah. South Park has always just had like, I don't know, they're, they, they just had like a long track record of making fun of Canada. And this is just such a really funny and novel way to just like make fun of Canada. But like, what are you really making fun of by making them an eight bit, you know, RPG like it's just a visual joke and it's really good. Yeah, it's a land of mystery. That's yeah. all you've said <laughs> yeah. about Canada at that point. Also, I think it's hilarious that there's an entrance to the Canada in Colorado. Right. Yeah. Which is famously in the middle of the country. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, you you go to Canada, there's like this whole and it even feels like playing an old RPG cuz it's basically like you go to this town, you talk to this person, then they tell you go to the other town, talk to this mm-hmm. person. Then they're like, oh, well, you know, in order for me to help you, you got to go to this town and talk to this person. And it's just mm-hmm. a big runaround. But all the like South Park's depictions of Canadians are just so funny to me. Like the voices, the the mannerisms, like they're always just slapping each other for no reason. Yeah. <laughs> the Prince of Canada is very funny. Like anytime someone tries to interject on him, he just looks at him and goes, shh. Yeah. Quiet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, that section is very fun and just like a really fun surprise too. Uh, yeah, like it, it feels almost like a kind of like a weird pacing thing because randomly you now have to go to Canada. Yeah, but uh, it's such a good. It is a break, a visual style break, and then just a lot of good jokes there of like how not act. Like clearly this isn't how Canada actually functions, but it's portrayed in such like a backward way. Like they have the prince. They have like one town is ruled by like uh, like a religious fascism kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Another town is under the thumb of like an evil duke, and like obviously none of that maps to Canada proper, but it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just feel like uh, shout out to all of our friends in Canada, but I just feel like it's very funny for the for South Park to just hammer on Canada for like twenty years now, twenty five. Yeah, years. it's amazing. Yeah. Like two of the most beloved things of the show, like Terrence and Philip are Canadian. Yeah. Like, and Ike. I feel like at this point they're in on the joke. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And like, like I said, uh, like I have talked with some uh, Canadian friends around Discord land uh, about this section in particular. They all think it's hilarious, which, you know, how could you not? Yeah. So, yeah, I forget why you needed to go to Canada, but it was like you're journeying to the mystical land up north to mm-hmm. to get some artifact or something like that. Yeah, I totally forgot why you went up there, but like, yeah, it, it seemed like a weird non sequitur at the time, but 
Maybe it, it, maybe it you're learning some. I, it, no, you know what it is. It's you needed uh, the certain kind of fart magic. You get that while you're there. I don't know if that's the reason you went. Okay, right. I just remember the. I think the second kind of fart magic you learn, you learn from Randy Marsh. Oh, oh, I know why. It's okay. because it's when you are trying to get an alliance with the Council of Girls. Oh, right. They find a note that's written in French. Oh, yeah. You need it translated. Yeah. So you need to get it translated. So you go to Canada. Uh, that part where you go talk to the Alliance of Girls is very funny because uh, I love when South Park does this. Sometimes they will have posters that are like real life photos in, but they're mm-hmm. like, so they, they stand out so much from the South park art style. And yeah, the, it's just, uh, the council like of girls a, just has a poster of Orlando bloom in their meeting room. And it's, it's very Orlando good. bloom, Johnny Depp. And like, I forget who the third one is, <laughs> but it's like three heartthrobs, but like, you know, magazine pictures of them yeah, yeah. that you would see like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> that gave me a good laugh. Yeah. So, uh, let's see in the plot after this, the government puts a nuke in Mr. Slave's ass. So the next like big shock level is going inside of Mr. Slave's ass to, uh, to go in there and disarm it, um, inside of Mr. Slave's ass, you meet Lemmy Winks, which is one of my favorite episodes of the show. It's the Lemmy Winks episode. Famous episode. Like all the characters, you basically recreate his journey that he went on that episode. (laughs) Um, Mr. Hat's in there too. You hadn't seen Mr. Hat until now. That's where he is. Yeah. And then, uh, you disarm the bomb by doing the abortion mini game on, uh, the bomb. So it comes back, which is like such a weird, like it makes sense why they did it because for the writing, like the way they designed the bomb is that you have to give the bomb an abortion and you're the only one who knows how to do an abortion because you did it earlier. Right. (laughs) <laughs> so that's the why you end up in there. Obviously it's nonsense, but it's it's worth it to see like this weirdo kind of level. And you're even fighting like other people that were put up there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like there's government agents up there that also got shrunk down somehow. Yeah, they're complaining about like how they get the worst like post on their <laughs> their job. Yeah, they get the shit posts literally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh this it, this is definitely one of those parts where like it's gross. Yeah, I think this is like the pinnacle of like the gross out meter. Yeah, in terms of like if you, this is what you need to be able to handle, this is your maximum of like cringe, I guess. Yeah, because you're like it's not just that you're in his ass, like you're like blasting like webs of cum, so you can like walk through and like open yeah. passages and stuff. It's it's gross. There's a bunch, there's like some it's like, cum it's like a flashlight in, in the there. background. Yeah, yeah. There's a flashlight. Actually, a ton of uh, good visual jokes about all the stuff that's up there. Like there's a phone, like actual pieces of poop that you have to blow through. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's really gross. Yeah. After this, uh, Clyde is like the villain for this part in the story. He's the one um, who's giving this evil speech and he's 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 the one who says like none of you will be able to stop me why mm-hmm. and he's like because it's time for bed and then like someone's parent immediately comes and calls everyone all the parents are there because it's like super late at this point oh yeah <laughs> like they're all looking for you yeah um so you confront clyde they had they have a really good joke here i thought clyde has this evil plan to use the green liquid that turns everyone into nazi uh zombies and he's like 
trying to say it's Taco Bell sauce and they have this big <laughs> argument. They're like, dude, when has Taco Bell ever had green sauce? And I just thought that was a very fun argument, bringing back that like obsession with Taco Bell that's like pervasive mm. here. And then Clyde uses that to revive. Uh, he has, there's a coffin there that he's like pumping the goo into. And so you're like, oh shit, who's in the coffin? And it's Chef. Uh, so this is how they yeah. bring Chef back. I, this was something I didn't catch through osmosis. I didn't know Chef was dead. Oh yeah. They, so did you look up like the story of what happened? Not really. Cause I'm not super like worried about it. Okay. Uh, I just, I figured something like that would happen. Yeah. So the story was actually that Isaac Hayes, who was the voice of chef got into Scientology and then, um, South Park did an episode about how stupid Scientology is and he got really mad. So oh, they shit. wrote him off the show. Like, I think he, he either quit or they wrote him off. So there's a whole episode about him, like dying in like a super brutal way. Uh, and then, yeah, they bring him back here, but it's not him actually, he did obviously didn't come back to do the voices. So he just has those Nazi barks. Yeah. He just does the Nazi zombie barks that everything else does. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that, that story with chef was, uh, kind of, kind of a, uh, a bummer. Cause I always liked chef as a character in South park, but yeah, yeah. It, there was good double entendre jokes with him. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Th- so they brought him back for that. Uh, and he's a boss fight that you fight. That's uh, pretty good. So the dark secret that your character had, um, which I had forgotten about, uh, mm-hmm. for most of the game is that your character is the Dova King, like literally from Skyrim, which <laughs> kind of dates the game also from 2013. Yeah. Right. And uh, the government wants you uh, for your social networking skills because you have so many Facebook friends and you're like this freak yeah. of nature. Um, and apparently this happened before, like you were memory wiped or something. You had like billions of Facebook friends before or something like that. That's your character's it, dark secret. Yeah. like, And it's actually something that's explored in the sequel. Like they get deeper into it. Okay. <laughs> um, like the reason your memory wiped is because the moment you came out of your mom's womb, you had like 5,000 Instagram followers, like just for existing. And like, I guess like the story is like your parents are actually like the two most successful influencers that have ever lived. So their baby is a super influencer. Okay. (laughs) So they want you to have like as close to a normal life as you can. So they keep moving you town to town to town. Mm Mm-hmm. But no matter where you go, you end up making a ton of friends on social networks. Like in this one, it's Facebook. In the sequel, it's uh, the equivalent of Instagram. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, that's how the government keeps finding you is they want you for (laughs) your social media powers to spread propaganda. And then also just happen to call you the Dovahkiin from uh, from Skyrim. (laughs) I don't know. Like, there's no reason why. It's just that's the name they picked for joke reasons to call you. Yeah, just, you know, what whatever was hot back in 2011 when they were writing this. So, yeah. Um the uh there's like a government agent that steals the stick of truth and like the, like you you had said, one of the cool things is even like there's like a government conspiracy and there's aliens and there's like real zombies around, but the kids are still role playing. So like mm-hmm. they're fighting over the stick and like that government agent shows up and he's like, "Well, what's this?" Uh, you know, this stick and 
Cartman's like, that's the stick of truth. Whoever has that controls the entire universe. And so he believes yeah. it, of course, because it's South Park. Because he's an idiot. <laughs> yeah, because all the adults are idiots. Yeah. Um, and he, like, I thought this was really funny. Like, they, all the kids give, like, a speech about the power of friendship. Uh, you know, classic, mm-hmm. like, JRPG shit. Um, but then Kenny's like, no, fuck, you guys are all assholes. And Kenny leaves... Uh, to go to the other side and Morgan Freeman comes out to give like a big speech about Kenny's backstory and why he's defecting. Mm-hmm. And they ask Morgan Freeman, like, why are you here? And he's, he basically, he has some joke about like, if someone's giving a long winded backstory, I just, I can't help myself. Yeah. Every time he explains something in his Morgan Freeman voice, yeah. he earns a freckle. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then, Kenny says that he wants to use the stick to create a perfect princess wonderland and it switches to like an anime cutscene, like anime style and like a J-pop mm-hmm. song, which is very funny. Uh, I love when South Park does this. Yeah, it's so good. Um, you have a boss fight against Kenny. Um, he drinks the Nazi goo and becomes like Nazi zombie princess Kenny. Uh, and mm-hmm. every time you kill him, he keeps reviving, but your, uh, your friends all jump in to help during the fight. Uh, so like butters turns into professor chaos to kill like death, like literal death. Um, Mm -hmm. Kyle brings Ike in and there's like a flask of goo that Kenny's going to drink. And Kyle plays kick the baby, like in the, the, uh, show kicks Ike to break it. It's a fun, like, you know, all your friends joining together to help in the final boss fight, et cetera. If you use Kyle, like throughout the game, uh, kick the baby is one of his moves. Is it like, yeah, he just, kicks Ico uh, into the crowd. That's very good. And, like <laughs> if you get it perfectly, I, you could see him like on the playground with the other kindergartners. Ike is dressed as a pirate. Mm-hmm. Like that's the role play that they're doing. Like they have their own pirate game going on right, while yeah. you have your fantasy game. Mm-hmm. So like if you do the quick time event or whatever perfectly, when you're playing with Kyle, when you kick Ike, he like pulls out like these two giant swords. Oh, it <laughs> <laughs> starts cutting people up. Uh, it's really good. That's good. Yeah. At some point you get to a point in the fight where you have to, um, like pull out the ultimate move, uh, which the entire game, every time you've been learning the fart magic, they keep telling you everyone that, that teaches you a fart move, whether it's Cartman, I think the first time, uh, and then Randy Marsh and then the Canadian at, at the, the last one, they, they teach you this and then they give you this speech about like, just make sure you never, ever fart on somebody's balls. Do not fart on anyone's balls. Yeah, that is like... It's not cool. Yeah, that breaks the code. Yeah, but that's how you have to beat Kenny. You have to fart on Kenny's balls to to finally win the fight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I thought this is a, a good joke. They um, All the zombies in town turn back to normal. And so like a little boy and his dad turn back to normal. And uh, the little kid says, Dad, we're all right. And the dad goes, that's right, son. A dragonborn must have farted on a princess's balls. Like, like, <laughs> As if that's a thing. That's a th- like you know. It's a thing that this is. At least this is spoken of. Like this is folklore or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> you learn two things in South Park schools: how to count and what happens when a dragonborn prin- farts on a princess's balls. Exactly. Yeah, and learning to count. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Mr. Garrison's your teacher, so you get to ten and calls it good enough. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that's, that's the final, uh, conflict. They, uh, the kids all take the, the stick to Stark's pond and, um, 
they throw the stick in the pond, kind of we're done playing this game and they talk about what they want to play next. And then uh, for the first time in the entire game, your character gets a prompt to speak Mm -hmm. after you've been a silent protagonist the whole time. What is your, what does your kid say? Screw you guys. I'm going home. Yep. (laughs) Very good. I love it. It, This always catches me by surprise. Like every Jay and silent Bob movie has this basically, Mm -hmm. you know, silent Bob talks at the end. This very funny. Uh, And to bring back Cartman's line. It's it's good stuff. Good way to end the game. Yeah. It's, it, uh, it was a good wrap up, like especially since like that's such a famous line. I feel like they made yeah a lot of like pop culture capital, basically just off Cartman's catchphrases. Mm-hmm. Like that one, screw you guys, I'm going home. Respect my authority. Like yep, all that stuff from the late nineties. Not only giving you some kind of like closure on your character actually finally speaking, but like stealing one of the greatest lines from their most famous character. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great way to end the game. Is there anything else like noteworthy that you wanted to shout out? Fun stuff. Like I said, the like the level, the sub charm of this is the commitment to the bit of like everyone, all the kids are in this fantasy world, but everything is weirdly grounded. Like mm-hmm. they're saying, "I'm casting fireball," but they're throwing a flaming tennis ball at somebody. Like, yeah, just the general kids being shitty to each other and it makes sense in the world in such a charming way that it does a lot for the flavor of the game for me. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, all the way to the end when you have the government conspiracy and Nazi zombies, Mm -hmm. they're still as committed as they can be in those like ridiculous situations. Which is, uh, that's actually like to get into the sequel a little bit, the sequel does it a little worse because like, the sequel it's all superpowers and for all intents and purposes they have superpowers like jimmy who is famously not able to walk or talk fast Mm -hmm. uh he's the flash and he actually like zips around and carries people around and Mm -hmm. there's no kind of like diegetic reason why he's doing that other than he is this superhero which kind of breaks the charm of this game is like yes cartman's a wizard but he's actually just lighting a fart on fire or something Yeah. yeah which is like charming to me in a way that just having superpowers doesn't do the same kind of thing. It's still a good game. Like I said, but for charm, this one has, it has it in spades. Yeah, absolutely. Which is why it was such a, you know, when I played it back when it first released, I loved it back then uh, for Mm -hmm. that exact reason. And it, um, like we said, like some of the humor doesn't hold up, but like that type of humor is just, you know, not as funny as it used to be. And maybe it should have never been funny in the first place, but like the stuff that really matters, like you said, that commitment to the the role-playing bit, um, just the way the kids, you know, treat each other and stuff, mm-hmm. that stuff is, is evergreen and yeah, just really fun game. Yeah. Like glad I played it. Glad I ended up buying it like all around net positive. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, thank you, man, for coming on. And I didn't know if we'd get to two hours, but I am me. So we're at two hours about, so I appreciate you, um, as always coming on and, and talking about games with me. This has been fun. Absolutely. Anytime. Please don't put me back in podcast jail. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 
We'll see how the audio comes out this time. I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> uh, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but yeah, always a blast talking with you. Um, so thanks again. Thank you to everybody who listened uh, all the way to the end. If you're considering playing this game, even knowing uh, hearing what happens is just doesn't quite compare to seeing your dad's nutsack swinging yeah. in, uh, almost taking you out. Even us describing these events, there's so much incidental dialogue and just quick, yeah. like quick jokes and things that still happen that we didn't touch on. It's going to be entertaining, even if you know what's going to happen. Yeah. Like we didn't even talk about before. Every item description is a joke. So like, oh, it's just so jokes, much in the item descriptions, jokes on jokes so on jokes. Yeah. So even if you have been spoiled on the plot, seeing it is still going to give you something. So again, recommended to play if you like South Park. Easy, easy recommendation to play. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. um, maybe sometime I'll replay that sequel. I'll try and beat it because I never did beat it the first time. Uh, probably not anytime soon, but next time I get the hanker in for South Park. Um, I know I have something to do, something to play. Yeah, yeah I recommend it. Hell yeah. So yeah, uh, again, thank you everybody for listening. And let's see... Nope, I don't know what's coming up next week, so I will just say tune in next week for the next game to come out of the backlog. 